Eagles and Cowboys switch spots in the NFC East in a turn of events. The AFC and NFC playoff picture still has some teams to iron out. We have a new number one overall pick that has just been clinched yet again. This is the Fumble Ruski podcast. Welcome to the Fumble Ruski podcast by Power 88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. I'm Adam Wright with CJ Medeiros and Christian. Uh, Jesus, and uh, Christian. I don't know where I got that. Miss Christian. Jeez. Uh, one of your I was guests. One episode, man. Come on. Uh, he's very knowledgeable. He picked the Bills when everyone else picked the Cowboys. Uh, Chris Kostich. Jesus, I have no idea where that came from. Uh, Adam Wright, CJ Medeiros, Chris Kostich. All right. We have a great episode planned for you guys tonight. Uh, Cowboys and Eagles are battling it out for that last NFC playoff spot uh, for the division. Uh, we have a total, guys, we have a total of 11 teams still alive in the playoff race combined between the AFC and NFC. And the Bears have clinched the number one overall pick for the second year in a row. And we don't even know what they're going to do with it for the second year in a row. Joining us to talk about all of these topics, we have Mike Whartonby of the Squawking Eagles podcast. Mike, welcome to the show. Why don't you introduce yourself to some of our listeners and tell us a little bit about your podcast. Hey, guys. Uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. It's uh, It's been a fun season for as, as an Eagles fan. Uh, the last six games, not so much, but... Uh, it's it's been a fun season. You know, I started my podcast last year. Uh, didn't expect the Eagles to have a run to go to the Super Bowl, and so we kept on going. And you know, have, they, you know, having a great year, and we've kind of had a a bit of a, a downward spiral, I would say. Uh, kind of, they went through a gauntlet, and they've the gauntlet that has really hurt them is the end of the season, which we thought was going to be an easy easy go. <laughs> But yeah, I'm a, I host the Squawk Eagles podcast with two buddies of mine I've known for a long time. Uh, I've just been uh, been growing my Instagram page. We're at the Squawk Eagles podcast. We've got a good uh, a good page over there. Um, we just started a uh, a product line on T Republic. So if you can go over there, T Republic, we uh, have a shirt over there that says "Run the Ball" because that's all Eagles fans want is for the Eagles to run the ball, and so. I have that out there. Uh, and then we have a, a small channel on YouTube that we're, we're growing to. It's just takes time. There's a lot of things, a lot of moving parts. And uh, I enjoy football. I enjoy the Eagles. And so I figured we, we built a podcast. And now uh, that's what we do. We talk about Eagles. Absolutely. And uh, you love keeping the ball and pushing it a yard as well, from my um, understanding. That, is, that has been, uh, you know, everybody hates it. And I guess you hate it if you hate it if you can't run it, right? And so 
we just in Philly, we we do love that brotherly shove. Yeah, brotherly shove, tush push. Either way, I mean, it's uh, I won't I won't touch on it for too long. But if you have an an offensive line as elite as it is, and a quarterback who's an absolute tank who has who has some legs of his own, then that's not about luck. That's just mm-hmm. that's just having a bulldozer of a front line. So yeah, I mean, but, it's and, it, it's about as effective as it as it comes. Yeah, and, and there's teams out there like the guy. I think the guy in uh, Buffalo. He said that uh, Kelsey's chop blocking people's knees. I'm like, if you watch the, the videos, the replays, nobody's getting after anyone's knees. It's just one offensive line is stronger than the other, and the defensive line. That's all that's happening. Low man wins. Exactly. That's what you're supposed to do. All right. Well, we're going to jump right into it. So we're going to lead off with talking a little bit about the Eagles as well with the Cowboys. So I'll start with the Eagles because that's the freshest thing that has happened. So the Eagles did lose to the Arizona Cardinals in in a shocking upset, 35 to 31. Uh, The Eagles had a a 21 to 6 lead going into the uh the the second half of action and the cardinals came back it was a back and forth game after that um but ultimately james connor with the two yard run with 32 seconds remaining that ended up being the deciding factor cardinals win 35 31 um not only did this knock the uh the cardinals out of a of a top pick but it also took the Eagles out of their division lead and the Cowboys on their end, they come out with um, a pretty eventful victory. Uh, so if, if you guys as NFL fans, if you don't, don't already know uh, the Cowboys won off of a little bit of controversy. So the, so the lions managed to, uh, it seemed that they would tie the game with a touchdown. It was 20 to 13 touchdown makes it 20 to 19 all right we're gonna get the extra point nope dan campbell's going for two and on the first try they did manage to get it however the player who went is who they they said was in as eligible was not and they put the wrong guy in as eligible number seven i'm 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 blanking on the names here number 70 was eligible 68 was not what the Lions intended was 68 to be eligible and 70 not. And it was never, nothing was announced on PA. Usually it is. Nothing was announced. So even the Lions did not know that 68 was not eligible. 68, the lineman, caught the pass and it was assumed a successful two point try. Was not the case. It was taken off the board. They got a couple more tries with some flags. But ultimately, they fell short. It was a 20 to 19 victory for the Cowboys, and they take back the NFC East lead. And if they win this game, this next game over Washington, they automatically take the division title, and they are going to be hosting a playoff game, at least one, for this uh, for this 2023 uh, postseason run. But uh, Mike, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts? Um. Well, if we have, we in our podcast, we usually do a even in-game reaction podcast. So, myself and my two co-hosts, we record our voice messages over the course of the game. Um, 
And if you listen to it, I just finished, uh, I just finished editing it and it is a roll. It's not even a roller coaster. I would say it's a, just a downward dive into the ground because we are so, I'm so excited as, as soon as it starts. And then by the end, there's, there's swearing, there's, there's, there's giving up. There's, there's nothing but like, like just sadness. It's just a, it's just a pile of sadness at the end of that podcast. Um, I was very frustrated. I was, fr- I, I feel like I was more frustrated after this game than I do- was against the Seahawks game. This game showed to me that this Eagles team doesn't really know how to play football anymore. They're kind of, they look broken. They're broken because they have yet to play a full season, a full quarter, four, four quarters for a game. And they just, just let the Cardinals run the ball, pass the ball. They did whatever they wanted. And they're, and this is a three and 12 team. And they just did exactly what they wanted to the Eagles. And they Eagles had no answers. They had no adjustments. They haven't adjusted all season to anything. Um, you know, changing your defensive coordinator towards the end of the year to to Matt Patricia. Now, you guys know Matt Patricia, right? You guys are Patriots fans. All too how well. Do you, how do you feel about Matt Patricia? Well, that's, um, that's the thing that I was yeah. saying uh, last week or on Sunday was that this is a – Matt Patricia with the Patriots was coaching like a top five, top ten defense pretty much mm-hmm. every single year besides one, I think CJ pointed out. and 2017, yeah. 2017 and now it's just he's not the same coach anymore i i i honestly don't really know how else to explain it it's like he switched once he went to the lions all his coaching power kind of or all his coaching greatness kind of went down the went out the window my question is that after he left the lions he went back to new england and became the offensive coordinator and he did like that happened, right? Well, I'm not, I'm not I think there was yeah, one it spot. <laughs> it happened. I think okay. there was one spot in between. There may have been okay. one stop in between there, but okay. yeah, Matt Patricia. Matt, uh, something tells me now that the the play calling during that time from 2014 to 2016, where the where New England's defense was top notch. Yeah. Something tells me it was more Belichick than it is than it is Patricia, mm-hmm. because Patricia well, and, doing play calls right. on any end has been bad. And Belichick, even after Belichick, even after Brady left, their defense has still been pretty good. Their their defensive, mm-hmm. I haven't had many complaints with them. Um, yeah. but it doesn't like it seems like more of the credit needs to go to Belichick on defense than Patricia. And yeah. this Eagles defense was really good to start the year. Well, now I, with I, Patricia, I just want to say that the Eagles offense, the Eagles offense is pretty much the same offense as last year with Shane Steichen. And he leaves, and they bring in Brian Johnson, who it was supposed to be seamless. Like Brian Johnson has known Jalen Hurts since he was 15 years old. This was the big talk, right? He's known Jalen Hurts since he was 15. He's coached him. He knows how. And it looks like like Brian Johnson. I know Brian Johnson was a quarterback in college. He was on. We all know he was on a video game cover. Blah blah blah. The dude doesn't know how to play play call. It's plain and simple. And we're finding out that. The success with the Eagles last season was Shane Steichen and not Nick Sirianni. Nick, and this is supposed to be Nick Sirianni's offense, and it it, it is it's really a, a very it's a bad offense. You know you you don't call two quarterback draws and a a bubble screen on third and twenty and have Devontae Smith as your lead blocker 
to where Gain, Kenny Gainwell. You just don't you don't do that. And Devonte Smith is seventy is one hundred seventy pounds. Like he should. He's not a lead locker. He's he's not. I not saw another thing too that it it's also the way that teams are playing or defending against the Eagles' offense now, right? So last year it was a lot of man. This year it's a lot of zone, mm-hmm. and the Eagles haven't or the Eagles' offense hasn't really, um, I guess, adapted to that new switch. I guess. Uh, I totally agree. They, you can see it with their uh, the, the the routes that AJ Brown is running. He's running around in circles because. They're, no one's really, you know, like you said, they took the man off and they're doing zones. So he's like running around in his zone and Jalen can't find him. And all he's just doing is doing it. He's just taking off the ball or he's dumping it off on a screen. And it's just not finding those soft spots and sitting in those soft spots. No, no. He, he, whatever you whatever he did last year, it didn't it wasn't it's not the same this year. It's just it's not at all. Um, and we, you know, we, we blame that he was possibly hurt his knee here and just. And I think he's been – I think it's – a lot of it got to do with the fact that I was told and I heard that Jalen Hurts has been given more of a say in what the offensive play calling is, and I think that might have been a mistake. Just tell him the play call, let him make the call, and and, and do it, and, and and stop, you know. You know, it's micromanaging is, my, is why I see it as. It's, it's, just, it's very interesting since Hurts is, what, only a third-year guy? And we're, yeah. we're already yeah. – giving him some sort of power and what plays exactly that's yeah that's kind of wild yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh another issue that i've noticed for philly is uh the actually the defensive side of the ball and when jonathan gannon left you know we didn't assume it was that much of the end of the world because at least on paper you know it looked fine but here's the thing in the defensive backfield there is a turnstile by the name of james bradbury I mean, no, his name's is Tra- Trashberry. His name's Trashberry. At this point. <laughs> oh. Hey, you're not lying. And here's no. the thing with uh, Trashberry, as he is now known. Teams are going out of their way to pick on him. Teams mm-hmm. are targeting him. Quarterbacks are looking at the field. They are finding Bradbury, and they are going to target him. And we saw, uh, not this game, but their previous one, where like, where you lost. Bradbury like gave up every catch on that drive. He, and, he gave up 90 yards. He gave yeah, up 90 he yards. Because they continued to go after him. And one thing mm-hmm. against the Cardinals was, look, we could debate about the offense. We, we could debate about Jalen Hurts. That's great. But here's the thing. Jalen Hurts isn't playing defense. An anemic Cardinals offense led by the eternal enigma, Kyler Murray, uh, had 232 yards, three touchdowns, and James Conner looking like the second coming of Adrian Peterson. Yeah, I just for me, like it's like it's the defense. Like, I don't know what happened. I mean, if you go back, and look at the stats from that game. It's like the Philly defense's greatest strength, which is the pass rush. Like, couldn't touch Kyler. I know Kyler's a mobile guy, but Hassan Reddick didn't do anything. Fletcher Cox didn't do anything. Like the only sack of the game came from Jalen Carter. And that was his only tackle. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I was shocked, and you you were shocked. You were shocked. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, just watching the game because, yeah. I mean, I guess if I were an Eagles fan and I knew more of the ins and outs, I wouldn't have been as surprised, yeah. or maybe I would have. I, but it's just, it was just truly weird to see. And I think a big takeaway is that at the end of the day, coordinators really do matter because when you are a really, really, really good team 
And as Adam and Chris and I are Pats fans, we all know the better you are, teams are going to poach your defensive and offensive coordinators and sometimes special team coordinators. Ain't that right, Joe Judge? Left and right. <laughs> like It keeps happening. And when some teams aren't used to it, like you lost uh, Steichen and Gannon, that can have a, a definite effect. Uh, you know, a lot of I people just look past that. That's all I'm saying. If, if you ask me last year when Jonathan Gannon left, I was happy. You know, I think most of Philadelphia was happy that Jonathan Gannon was gone. We definitely were not happy how it happened because of this whole, you know, we turned out that it was, might've been a, you know, a bit of a problem during the Super Bowl when he was not, he didn't really care. And he didn't really care what the Super Bowl was going to be like because he already had a job. Um, so we were happy that he was gone. Apparently the grass is not greener on the other side when we got Sean Desai, uh, which I thought he was going to be a good coordinator. You know, he coming from Seattle and, and Chicago defenses. And I thought he was going to be a good fit. He he doesn't blitz as much as I thought he was going to blitz. He, you know, he's, he, he gets, he just, there's no command. He has no command over the defense and it's, and it showed. And, like I said, like you said in the beginning of the season, the Eagles' defense on paper is amazing. Like you, if you look at, it, like they have a fresh defensive line every every set of downs you could possibly do, and they're just not doing that. They're not rotating. They're not. They're not having a fresh fresh legs out there, and you can see it. Like the the defense is gassed by the third middle of the third quarter. They're done. They're done. Yeah, that is that is it is good that you met. It is interesting that you mentioned their their personnel because they. Um, as many p- pieces that they lost, they gained them back just as quick over the offseason. Yeah, and they still they managed to retain Darius Slay and, J- and uh, Bradbury. Mm-hmm. And I, I know we're t- calling him Trashbury now, but I, it wasn't so long ago when he was actually a really good corner and a solid number two to Darius Slay. And it's all gone now. Like, it's, it's he's just a completely different player. It just shows not only how much coordinators matter, but it also shows how quickly that corners can fall off. They don't mm-hmm. have as long as a shelf life because you have to hold, you have to really stick around with some of the quickest wide receivers in the game. And yeah. if you're not able to do that on a consistent basis, then you're going to go from one of the best corners in the game to one of the worst lightning fast. Yeah. I, I yeah, we talked on the podcast that we're, there's going to be a huge, uh, a huge cleaning of the defensive I guess the defensive side of the ball next year. I don't see a lot of those players being on the team next year. So, you know, we'll see Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter, but I think most of those guys are going to be gone next year. You now, Bradbury and Brad, Bradbury and Slay showed their age this year. It, it was quick. They went from it was a big drop off from last year to this year. Their age kind of showed this year. You know, Brad, uh, Slay just turned thirty three years old, so it's yeah, thirty three is not old. But it's old for if you're running around trying to chase Justin Jefferson or uh, Brandy Nayuk you know, or Ceedee Lamb. You know those those guys are young and they're fast, and it's hard to keep up with those kind of guys. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, well, at least the Eagles are in. They're they're in contention, and they are in yeah. the playoffs. So, um, I wanted to briefly because we we have we've spent a lot of time on this segment. I wanted to briefly touch on the Cowboys, uh, and their their possible their chances to make a deep playoff run, which would be the first time they would ever make the NFC Championship since um, since the nineties. I believe what was it ninety six? 
Yeah, it was like it was 96, 95 or 96, yeah. Somewhere around there. Um yeah. they are hosting a playoff game. So they will have and they are they are perfect at home right now. So yeah. they would have to win. They, 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 really, they lost that game. Lions, the Lions, <laughs> the Lions won that game. They would have to win one game, one game in order to reach the NFC championship, which they have not done in a quarter century. How are we feeling about our thoughts on it? Just we'd want to touch on it just pretty quickly since we are 20 minutes into the show. Uh, you want to hear my my thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys? I don't know if you want to hear my thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> let's let's hear. Let's hear. The yeah, um, let's like I've you know, grown up an Eagles fan my entire life. Uh, the Cowboys have been taught to me the hate. You got to hate you hate you hate the Cowboys if you're an Eagles fan. Um, so it was really you know the the root for the Cowboys last week. I didn't I couldn't do it. There was it was a debate root for the Lions or the Cowboys. Can't do it. Had the root for the Lions. Um. The Cowboys, I think, they're 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 mediocre. They 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 don't have a running back like Pollard. Pollard is not, you know, he's not DeAndre Swift. He's not he's just a regular guy that you figure out that was was great to spell Ezekiel Elliott once in a while. The Cowboys aren't going to make it. They'll, they'll win their division game because they they can they can they can win at home. They won't win on the road. They'll lose. They'll lose whoever they're going to play against. If, if it's the, if it's the Eagles. You know, so be it, but we'll see. I don't That'd think I don't see so the much fun. I really it would be a, be a great thing. It'd be a great thing. I just don't see the I don't see them making to the NFC Championship game yet. Okay. It's, my my prediction at the beginning of the year was that their their fate would be sealed once again by the 49ers in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. They would. They might have to meet them if they hold because the the Cowboys have the two seed. So if they lose to the the. 49ers it would have to be in the AFC champion the NFC championship yeah so that would mean that these Cowboys finally make it to that spot that they have been trying to get to for a quarter century only problem mm-hmm. is that's not the end goal we're trying to make a Super Bowl here I um, went through you know I'm, I'm probably a little older than probably you guys I've witnessed Cowboys back to back to back championships I don't need to see them in the championship game anymore it's good we're good I've seen <laughs> enough of it already I've seen enough. yeah And another thing is just plain and simple. I am not sold on them on the road. All of their losses this season have come on the road. And and here's the thing. You, if you play the, you're, if more likely than not, you're going to have to play the NFC championship game on the road, then I'm sorry, you're not going to win. And let's just say somehow you do get bailed out by the refs again. Then you're going to have to go to the Super Bowl, which guess what? Also on the road. The Cowboys seem to have no power outside of Dallas, and that is just ripe with fraudulence. Yeah, Adam, I see. But, I mean, I'm just saying. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it all goes. This is going to be an interesting uh, round of the playoffs. Um, But I want to move on. We're going to get to the AFC playoff picture. All of the teams left. Which one is more equipped to make a playoff run, if any? That's next. This is the Fumble Rooski Podcast.
Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. I'm Adam Wright along with CJ Medeiros, Chris Kostich, and Mark uh, Whartonby. All right, so we have reached the AFC playoff picture. So it's it's gotten very interesting. So out of all of the teams, there are there are just a couple left who are still trying to make it in. Um, so right now we have the Jaguars, the Colts, Texans, Steelers, and technically the Bills have not yet clinched. So guys, I'll leave this up to I'll leave this up to you guys. Which of these teams is the best equipped for a playoff run, if any? Hmm. It's it's tough because they're all they all have their own little faults, right? Um, I can't say the Steelers. I can barely say the Jaguars. I feel like I want to say the Colts, but the only thing really that they got going for them is the defense. Now the offense has been pretty solid with Minshew, but Texans is like the only one of the four here that I really like just because of the way like CJ Stroud on the Texans is just night and day compared to when he's not playing on the field. So I like the Texans out of the four, but if we're going to include the Bills in the conversation, then I like, I like, I even like the Bills more than I do the Texans, just based on the way that they've been playing defensively has been a lot better. But even the last, granted, the last two weeks for the Bills hasn't really been great, but I feel like that's just more on the offensive side of things that they're starting to kind of struggle again with. But the Bills are starting to find a run game again. James Cook is kind of starting to be that number one back that the Bills want him to be. Um, man, it because the Jaguars are just a mess too. It's all five of these, well, four, if we want to count the Steelers out, the four of these teams could really just be a toss-up. I'm not really sure, honestly. But you know, if I were to, if I were to choose two, though, for sure, it'd be Bills Texans. You know, Chris, I am in the same mind. I would argue Bills more so than Texans. It's not anything because of the because of their roster. I would say it's a. I just think they're getting hot at the right time. You know, I mean, they're they're putting together a little win streak, especially when they're playoff. When they when at one point they weren't even in the playoff picture, and their playoff chances were uncertain. And I mean, but then again. They're winning, but a lot of their wins aren't convincing. Like, you look at New England. They couldn't beat New England by two scores. That I'm sorry, that's sad. The Bills you, forced four turnovers in the past. And they only won by six. six. Exactly. And the Texans. I, I like the Texans. I do. You mentioned it's night and day of C.J. Stroud, but they're too young. Plain and simple, they are too young, and they don't have that high-end talent that's really going to separate it. They want to C.J. Stroud develops. Perhaps, and I would probably look upon them more favorably if Tank Dell was still healthy, but he is not, so it's a moot point. And the Steelers. Oh, but but Mike Tomlin has his winning record. That That's nice. Well, let me tell you something. Or actually, no, I have a request. Show me the trophy that gets him, and then we'll, maybe we'll talk. <laughs> but either way, as long as your offense is still mired in misery and you still have Kenny Pixix or... 
the scourge of Chicago and Mitch Trubisky as your quarterback. I'm sorry. I don't see it. And the Jaguars, they just need to punt the year. They, they need to. Trevor Lawrence is playing hurt. Your team is falling apart at the seams. It's over. And then there's just the Colts that have Gardner Minshew and an elite defense. So, yeah, by default, it's Buffalo. And I'm not even saying I like Buffalo, but it's literally Buffalo by default. I agree with you guys are saying. I, I like what you're saying. The the Steelers, you gotta you gotta just throw them out. They're just they're gonna have their winning season, and that's pretty much what they care about. Uh, Texans, you know, Texans are a good team. I think, you know, they're gonna be better next year and and down the road. But uh, playoffs, I don't know. Uh, I think like you said it's really going down to the Jaguars and, and Bills. But I think that if anything, the Bills are the team that's going to probably do a little bit more damage in the playoffs. Uh, and, and, and the Colts, you know, defense does win championships. I don't know if, you know, the, the Ravens won a Super Bowl with, with Trent Dilfer, you know, stranger things have happened. So it's true. Yeah. Um, if it weren't for the injury bug with this Texans team, they would be, a, not, not only would they be better than eight and seven, right. Uh, than a nine and seven right now, but, they would also probably – I think they would have the division, and they they would probably be the best geared team to make a, a uh, to make a playoff run. I mean, uh, C.J. Stroud has shown that he's a real deal, not only not only in the future but right now. And, you know, you lost Nico Collins. You lost Tank Dell. Um, I mean, like their offensive line has not been healthy all season long. They've, they've been – they've had pieces in and out of their starting lineup all season. Um, but as for right now, I got to go to bills because I truly believe that this week they're going to win the division. I think they, they blew the doors off of the dolphins the last time they faced them. So why wouldn't they do that again? Especially since they've won four straight. Uh, yeah, the bills, I think, I think the bills have a legitimate shot to make a deep, deep playoff run. They've been written off way too early in the play in the playoffs this season. I think this team um, they have the most elite quarterback, the most polished one at least, because Stroud is still too young. But the Bills, they've been to an AFC championship. They've done it before. They can do it again. Give me the Bills. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it that's the thing, too, is that the Bills are gonna be playing for essentially their lives here because they could either get the two seed or they could be completely knocked out of the playoffs. And that's if they lose. And all these other teams win. So they don't want to have other teams decide their fate. They want to let themselves decide their fate at this point. And isn't it perfect that the NFL has us talking about week 18 like this, like how important week 18 is. They, <laughs> everyone was, you know, in the beginning of the season, I'm like, who cares about week 18? Nobody's going to want It's going to be all sealed up. But everyone's talking about week 18. It's really, really well scripted. Let me tell you. It's great. Just let the last two the last two weeks in general, there was like there was so many teams that were still up for a playoff picture too. It was insane. Yeah. Let me tell you something. I want to push to a week nineteen. <laughs> I want to have another, and I'll tell you why. If you if you do that, you move all of the playoffs up one week. What is one week after the Super Bowl? President's Day. On Monday, you get a Super Bowl hangover day. Give me the uh. extra football <laughs> in January. 
and give me the extra football in February and the day off afterwards because everyone needs their super hangover day, Super Bowl hangover hey, day. I'm 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 with that. I'm good with that. Absolutely. The Monday after the Super Bowl should be a federal holiday. M- make it so, Congress. I believe in you. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> no, but it should be. All jokes aside. All right. Well, as we talked about the AFC playoff teams left, there's even more in the NFC. Six to be precise. Packers, Seahawks, Vikings, three quarters of the NFC South. Which team is better geared for a playoff run? That's next. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast. Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski Podcast. I'm Adam Wright, CJ Medeiros, Chris Kostich, special guest Mike Whartonby. All right, so the NFC playoff picture. The teams alive are as follows. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Green Bay Packers, the Seattle Seahawks, the New Orleans Saints, the Minnesota Vikings, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Yeah, so it is a crapshoot right now the amount of teams that are left um and only a few playoff spots to satisfy all of these teams uh the thing with all of the nfc south teams that i've mentioned all of them have so bad records that if they don't win the nfc they will have most likely a top 15 pick in this draft so it's either you're in the playoffs hosting a playoff game by the way or you're not at all such an all or nothing thing that is one of those rare scenarios in the NFL playoff picture where a sub 500 team could barely squeak into the playoffs and you're at home for a game. How insane is that? And sometimes they actually win playoff games. I remember, I am old enough to remember 2014 when Cam Newton and company snuck in the playoffs with a sub 500 record and actually won a playoff game. So it has happened before. Yeah. All right. Um, so out of these teams, what what do you guys think? Which one's the most pro- playoff ready? It's Nobody. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like it's really tough to choose. It's, oh. The Packers are just the Packers are one of those teams you don't know which team you're gonna get. I like the Seahawks. Vikings are just all over the place. They can't figure out who's their quarterback. Um, I just hate the NFC South because it's like you, you think that the Buccaneers are probably going to win it and then they lose badly to the Saints and then, oh, maybe the Saints are going to win it. But Derek Carr sucks. It, the Falcons, oh, they got enough talent, but... How the coach, hell are they even in the race either? They have enough talent, but their coach doesn't know how to use his weapons and puts guys in the doghouse when they don't need to be in the doghouse. There's... Uh, I don't even know where to even start. I I'd have to say, 
I'd have to say maybe the Seahawks just because you got Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll's still a pretty solid coach. And I Gino like Geno Smith hasn't played well, but he's also had to deal with some nagging injuries here and there. And he's he's definitely played a lot better than he did in recent in the prior years with the Jets and the Giants and whoever else he was on. Um, so I like the Seahawks in that matter. I like the Buccaneers just from how, the way that Baker Mayfield has been playing. He's, I mean, he's basically had the same season as Tom Brady did last year, and they're with the, essentially the same record, right? It's the same yeah. record. Mm-hmm. So I like the Buccaneers in that sense. Um, so, so Baker Mayfield is just as good as Tom Brady, is what you're saying? No, you're no, saying? no, no, no. We're <laughs> we're comparing a 45 year old Tom Brady. To... <laughs> you can't open that door, Chris. I mean, don't you do it. To open me, that. Don't do it to me. Um, I'll go. I'll go. Packers, Seahawks, Bucks as my three. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's tough. It it is. Yeah. Tough. So. Sorry, I was just going to... No, you're good. You can go. Yeah. So, as sits now, as as we all know, there are seven teams on either side that can make the playoffs. Niners, Cowboys, Lions, Eagles, and Rams have already punched their ticket to the dance. And as it sits now, this is according to NFL.com, the Buccaneers and the Packers have the best odds to make the playoffs. Bucks at 69%, and the Packers at a less nice percent at 60. And then you have Seattle the Vikings and the rest of tank division there with the saints and the Falcons, you know, just being on the bubble. I'm not going to lie to you. None of these teams, especially the saints, Vikings and Falcons enthrall me because if you're from the NFC South, I'm automatically going to raise my eyebrow at you personally, though, I would have to lean Tampa. Uh, I, I know they lost, but Baker Mayfield's been playing like a man possessed, just slinging around the rock, running around, leading them. I like that. I do. But the Saints, as long as you have Derek Carr, you will be nothing more than mediocre. The Falcons, how, stop me if I've said this before, but you can't even use your best players correctly. So I don't even know what you're going to do against a real contender. Then there's the Vikings, who lost Nick Foles. I mean, uh, wow, Nick Foles. Wow, I don't know. <laughs> Kirk Cousins, and I was thinking about Nick Mullins. Then you went through Nick Mullins, you went through Josh Dobbs, and now you're on Jaron Hall. You know, just the the cycle merrily continues for them. And, you know, there's the Seahawks. I mean, they're probably the least offensive out of the bottom four. But if I had to hedge my bets, I would think it's probably going to be the the Packers and the Buccaneers. I, I really do. And when it comes to which of the two can probably strike out and make a run, uh, I'm going to regret saying this, but the Bucks, just solely because they're at home. And Adam disagrees, and he's allowed to, but I just, the Packers are just wildly inconsistent, and Baker Mayfield is actually a man who actually has something to play for. He's literally playing for his job. Whereas the Packers, they are free to just say, hey, we have Aaron Rodgers, this is a rebuilding year. I just think the attitude surrounding the two is different. Also, I'm not entirely sold on Matt LaFleur as a coach without Rodgers yet. But I'm leaning Tampa. I'm not making it definite, but I'm leaning Tampa. I also think Green Bay is going to sneak in. Because the other four teams, maybe not Seattle, they have no business being there. And Seattle, they just, I'm disappointed. 
Jordan Love is the next guy. He is their third straight future Hall of Fame quarterback. And I think, and I think the fact and they are still technically they still technically have a few things to prove. They're not an established team yet. Yes, they have shown that they have a bright future, but they still need they still need to make a little bit of noise. They've lost to some questionable teams this year, but I still think Jordan Love is the guy. And I think because of that, they are the most they have the most potency to actually make a playoff run. Will they? Probably not. They might win a they'll win a wild card game. That is that's what I would give them if they actually if they actually sneak into the playoffs. Um but I mean the Buccaneers, yes, they're going to be hosting a playoff game, but I would have to look real quick, double check who they would be facing. It would be um, the Eagles. It'd be the Eagles. Yeah, how are we feeling about that? I, I the Eagles already beat them early in the season. I don't I I I they'd beat them again too. I don't I don't I don't see that's kind of what I was about to say was that they played once. I feel like it would probably be a similar result. Maybe the game doesn't go the same way that it did the first time around, but I feel like it ended up being a similar result at the end of the day. Yeah, I, also, I don't see any of these teams make winning a playoff game. Honestly, I don't. I don't see it. And Green Bay I, I would have wanna... Dallas. Yeah, Dallas so that would be a tougher one, but Dallas in. Dallas in the playoffs, we don't know what we're gonna get. Right. So that's true. This is this is this is basically debating on if we like to if we like human waste or throw up. Like this is like these team like we're we're not we're not debating which team is the best team in the league here. Um no. out of the fringe playoff teams, who's going to make it and who has a better who has a better chance? I think the Packers just have the be- the best potential because they I think they have the best quarterback. That's gen that's just my general consensus. Their their best days are ahead of them, but if we were talking about today, I still think out of the teams that are sn- trying to sneak in, they have the better shot. Just my gen that's just my general opinion. I think the I think the Eagles have a better shot of holding their own in the first round than the Cowboys. I'll say that much. All right. So we're going to move on and move a little bit away from the playoff picture and towards the cellar-dwelling teams that are pushing for a top pick. Three of the four of us are in that conversation on this podcast as Patriots fans. But in Chicago, they are celebrating yet again for for back-to-back years. Not a Super Bowl victory, but for yet another number one overall pick. And we still, for the second year in a row, do not know what they are going to do with it. We're going to say, we are going to tell you exactly what they should do with it. Next, this is the Fumble Rooski Podcast. Touchdown! 
Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power D8 and Secret Weapon Consulting. I'm Adam Wright, CJ Medeiros, Chris Kostic, and special guest Mike Whartonby. All right, so the NFL draft update. We haven't been able to talk about this too much this season because most of the time we're, we're focused on what's happening in the season, not what's going to happen in April. But with one week left, it's pretty, it's pretty notable that the Bears have clinched the number one overall pick. And what's more impressive about this Bears team is the fact that this isn't even their pick. <laughs> they got this out of the trade that they from the previous number one pick that they had and was a, were able to draft their guy on the offensive line while keeping Justin Fields. Well, that hasn't exactly worked out for them still because Justin Fields has had a very up and down season either way. He's all, he's been hurt. It was or there was earlier on in the year where he was not playing well at all. And there's now where he's actually kind of lighting it up. So um, I'm going to bring up uh, Jeremy Fowler put out this tweet. Um, of all the possibilities that he could be uh, doing just by um, just by um, uh, by the uh, excuse me, um, by league sources for forecast. So the Bears can get a second or third round pick in trading Justin Fields. The Bears can also get more than the Bryce Young trade package, uh, even from the team peak, peak, uh, picking in the top five for number one overall, just based on the quarterbacks that are around, Caleb Williams, Drake May most notably, and also Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so there's also Justin Fields, who has been up and down, but recently he's been playing very well. Um, I'm going. I'm. I'm going to give you my two cents right now. If the Bears know what's good for them, don't fall. Don't fall victim to the recency bias. I get Justin Fields has played very well, and he could be very good on another team. But don't fall victim to this because why was he playing poorly earlier on in the year? Why has he played? Why has he been up and down all season long? with the targets that he has had. DJ Moore has been awesome. You still have Darnell Mooney. You have Cole Komet. You have a really, really good set of pass catchers. And you still, we still don't know if you're the guy. If you don't know by now, by year three, then cut him loose and reset and find a new guy. Because you have a good team around you now. So if you were to find a new quarterback then it would be an easier reset button because you already have the team around you to supplement that. So that's that's basically what I feel. What they will do, I am very fearful that they're going to keep fields yet again. But I don't know what you guys thought. Mike, I'll let you go first on this one. Um, if you listen to our podcast, we are not fans of Ohio State quarterbacks. <laughs> um, Justin, <laughs> Justin Fields is an Ohio State quarterback. Um, so we would lean against, uh, getting, getting rid of Justin Fields. You know, there's a team out there that could probably use him and, and think they could save his career. Um, and by all means, let him try to do it. I think the bears are better off trading Justin Fields and taking their top quarterback, Caleb Williams, even though he said he doesn't want to play in Chicago. I think he, you know, I think he's, he wants to play in New York. So I, I don't know how that's going to work out for him. How much is that him or him saying that, or is it his dad saying that? 
I would say more his dad. I think a lot of his dad talk is about is about that. It, it feels again like when Eli Manning got drafted by the Chargers, and he said, "Well, we, you know, we're not playing with the Chargers," and it was all his dad saying, "He's going to play in New York. He's going to play in New York." Um, and so that's what happened. Yeah, you know, it's the same thing with when uh, when John Elway didn't want to play for the Baltimore Colts. Um, so I think I think we're going to see Kayla Williams go to the Chicago Bears, and Justin Fields gets gets traded to somebody. For a second or third round pick, and some maybe some you know other draft picks. All right, Chris. I don't know this. This part of football isn't necessarily my strong suit, so I'm going to defer my time to CJ. <laughs> <laughs> a draft guy, baby. Uh, by the way, Mike, I, I am. A, I'm a huge fan of the draft. That's kind of yeah. like my okay. suit. So I didn't say the thing, Adam. Didn't say the thing. So don't get mad. So. So, yeah, here we go. The way I see it for Chicago, I, I just I don't make a field. Fields has set a career high in passing yards, but then again, that career high is 2,400 yards. He has 16 touchdowns and nine picks with a quarterback record of five and seven. As we all know, he has missed time. I just, I'm not sold on him because when he was coming out of the draft, I, I was a big fan. But not anymore. And if I think if you could sell him to a team for a second, you absolutely pull the trigger and you go grab Caleb Williams. However, I do have a word of caution. This is extremely high risk, high reward. Because it's almost like a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if you keep Fields and he peters out and you pass up on Caleb Williams, then obviously, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But Chicago mm-hmm. has a track record of being unable to develop quarterbacks. So if you take what pundits are saying could be a generational talent in Caleb Williams and you ruin him, then you're eating crow either way. However, yeah. I would say the odds of a franchise turnaround are better if you sell fields and then draft Caleb Williams. But And I know what you're thinking. Oh, but Marvin Harrison's right there because I know a lot of Bears fans want to say keep Fields and draft Harrison. But but you got to remember, you're also going to have, I believe, around another top 10 pick to play with. And that you could – I don't think Harrison's going to be there, but you could probably get Malik Neighbors or Roma Duns or, or somebody like that. Or, or you could go any way you want. Like, world's your oyster when you're in the top 10. So all I'm going to say is Chicago – you could definitely do a lot worse than uh, than trading away fields. That that is that is where I stand. I think he needs to be traded because if the reports are true and you can get a second rounder out of it, then absolutely you pull the trigger. Or or you know that that's it. I'm not even going to entertain the other possibilities. This is what needs to be done. And Adam, I think, is 100 percent correct when he says don't fall victim to the recency bias. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you this follow up question, Mister Draft Guy. All right. Um, between Drake May and Caleb Williams, two quarterbacks who are most likely going to go top three, which one do you take? If you are you're Chicago, you're on the clock. I... Or Marvin Harrison Jr., which you should trade back for if you do that. Yeah. If you want Marvin, if you keep, if you're saying you keep Fields. I would actually have no qualms with them taking Marvin Harrison Jr. at number one. 
You know, I really don't because I think, in my humble opinion, he is the best player in the draft. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I, I've, I don't know, I think I've told you this off camera. I'm not entirely sold on Caleb Williams. I'm not entirely sold on Drake May. I go back and forth. But when it comes to a pure scheme fit, I would say you're probably safer going with Williams just because he's been, look, I know it's been rough, but he's at least playing, you know, higher level competition than, uh, the, than, you know, uh, Drake may there. I think may has slightly a better arm and his mobility is a little better, but I would just say from an NFL readiness standpoint, Williams is more polished and there's a slightly less chance you'll screw up because let's face it, you're Chicago and you can't draft quarterbacks. Let me give you another piece of information there. Uh, guess who's at number two who really wants Caleb Williams? The Commanders, I believe. Washington. So do you draft Marvin Harrison Jr. at one or do you trade back, get more assets, you get Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, and you get more pieces on top of it and you get to keep Justin Fields like you planned? If you can do a, sorry, I was gonna say, if you can do a pick swap with the commanders and you know they're gonna take Caleb Williams, and if you wanna keep fields, then I say there's no reason why you shouldn't. Because, like I said, I'm a big fan of Aaron Harrison Jr. I think he's the best player in the draft. If you're Chicago, you should go out and get him if you wanna keep fields. But then again, it all depends on what they wanna do, and there's little pathways that branch off from that. But if this were the reality that they're keeping fields and the commanders want Caleb Williams, then, of course, you move to two and get all the assets you can. Now, it's also not set in stone. Uh, Washington is at two. But if New England, no matter what happens in the game between Washington and the Cowboys, if New England loses their last game, uh, they move up to two and Washington is down to three. And there's no guarantee that New England won't take Marvin Harrison Jr. Maybe that's my bias, my recency, not recency. Maybe that's just my bias speaking because I want Marvin Harrison Jr. with the the number two overall pick as a Patriots fan. But we we don't know what New England's going to do. We have they have not said a word about what they want. And both from the ball. Yep, yeah. exactly. And (laughs) New England, as we all know, is a team that keeps its cards very close to its vest. However, I will tell you one thing. And I believe this. I truly believe that what they do in the draft almost entirely hinges on whether or not Bill Belichick stays or goes. Whether you think he should go or think he should stay, that's not my prerogative. That's not what we're talking about. I truly believe that what they do entirely hinges on bill because if bill's still there you can uh i'm sorry i just want to say if bill is still there then you can completely rule out them trading up that will not happen Kraft will lock belichick in a room before he lets him trade back in that draft if you have the number two (laughs) overall pick it's going to be like this past draft remember remember cj they oh i remember at 19 wanted to draft keon white Ownership stepped in and said, no, take Christian Gonzalez. That is the better player. Take him. And Imagine- we still got Gail White in the second. So, exactly. But Christian Gonzalez is a good player. He got hurt. That's, oh, yeah, he, he is. He, he, he's he's, 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 he's going to be. He's he was be on good. track to be defensive rookie of the year. Yeah. And I the love thing is, for I those who don't for like, nice. I just want to say one thing. For those that aren't fans of Bill Belichick, I'm not defending him. I'm not hating him. I just want to say, 
he has only ever had a top 10 pick in his career twice. And with those picks, he drafted future Hall of Famer Richard Seymour and uh, elite linebacker who unfortunately had his career cut short due to injuries, Gerard Mayo, who's also a pretty good defensive coach. So I'll just leave it there. But when it comes to offense, well, you draw your own conclusions. I, I thought Bill Belichick wasn't even going to be a coach of the of the Patriots next year. I thought that was the whole thing. He's going to leave. He was I don't done. know. Well, I, that's the like other I, thing. I, saying, like, I really believe what they do in this draft hinges on whether or not he's still the GM. We well, have no idea what New England is going to do. They they they're very secretive on what they do, and yeah. I could I I don't see Belichick back, but I, I also know. there's also people who do see him possibly being back because he's he's bill belichick and they they might want to give him another chance because yeah. um, that's the thing he's still yeah. got enough he, he signed a contract extension into next year and then all of a sudden you got the word that because of the colts game or the colts game was going to basically decide the future of bill belichick and then a month or two later oh the colts game actually did decide the future of belichick and then he's probably going to leave oh mm-hmm. here's all these other trade talks and the trade talks didn't really even start till Mike Florio gave out a hypothetical. And yeah, he, he's given out the hypothetical just just on based on uh, things that he's hearing from outside sources. But it you don't know what you're. It's the Pats. You don't know what's true. You don't know what's not true. Every, everything could be a fugazi, a fugazi. Everything could. Everything could be just down the line. I don't know. It's, yeah, with, even as a Pats fan, you don't know what the hell's about to happen. Yeah, no, you don't. I just want to say it's 50-50 whether or not they keep him. That is truly what I believe. It can go either way. Marvin but Harrison McCoy. Jr. at number two overall. Whatever quarterback is left on day two. That is that is all. Deep QB class, smart decision. I like it. All right. Do we have any other thoughts? I, I know, Mike, you wanted to. It looks like I just wanted to say, you, do you guys believe in Bill Belichick? Because the last time I remember Bill Belichick as a head coach, he was, was with the Browns, and that wasn't too successful. I think he's a better coach than people give him credit for, but yeah. um, the GM the GM part of him, him hurts the coach part of him. There's it's, um, But how good he is as a head coach, I, I still think he's okay. Um, but he yeah. needs the personnel around him clearly in order to do in order to be, yeah. to succeed. When he had the elite quarterback, he was winning Super Bowls. Uh, yeah. When he didn't, he wasn't able to find the next guy. And the guys who he did have, he wasn't able to make do. So, and it's not to say that Belichick wasn't a good GM. He still built some very good teams. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things that maybe the times have gone by him at this point. Sure. I plead the fifth. I'm I'm not getting into it. <laughs> All right. All right. We're going to move on. Uh, we have week 17, our weekly top three, bottom three, your best and worst performances from week 17 by Chris Kostich. That's next. You're listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast.
Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski Podcast by Power88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. I'm Adam Wright, CJ Medeiros, Chris Kostich, special guest Mike Wartenby. All right, so we are on to week three, week 17, top three, bottom three with Chris Kostich. Chris, take it away. We'll start out with the top three. Uh, first one on the board is the Ravens. Uh, you all would probably assume that the Ravens would be on here and your assumptions would be right. I mean, if you couldn't have any more of a convincing win against San Francisco, this just was the cherry on top. And Lamar Jackson, I believe, is quarterbacky enough to win MVP. Perfect passer rating. Five touchdowns. I'm not even looking at the yards right now. I don't even need to. He was ridiculous. He should be MVP. If if it end, if it doesn't end up being Christian McCaffrey. I can't believe someone actually said quarterbacky. Like actually said that word. <laughs> yeah. Not even the fact not even the context it was used in, just using the word quarterbacky. I know. I'm like, what the f- what does that mean? Next team on the board is the Cowboys. Grant, yeah. Say what you want. The Cowboys should not have won that game. And there's a lot of things at the end of the game that really, like, never mind the blown penalty that at the end of the game, but just the way that the Cowboys played in those last two drives, they really shouldn't have won. But in the context of the bigger picture, you beat uh, another division leader in the Lions and just set yourself back up into that two spot. You keep yourself into that two spot and give yourself a better chance at winning the division. And then final team on the top three is the Chiefs. You had a bad little stretch, and you finally were able to kind of bring that all together, get a little bit of momentum into the last two into the last week of the season. You clinched the division, and you beat a Bengals team that was also very hungry in trying to get their own playoff spot. Thoughts from you, fine gentlemen. The 49ers, I think, deserve a top spot as well. Yeah. Um, because the 49, the Niners, what's it most, most important is no team when this, when this 49ers team has been healthy, no team in the NFC has been able to, to solve this team, especially at home. So you look at this, uh, they just clinched the number one, the number one seed. That is going to be big for them. And unless they run into Baltimore in the Super Bowl, which we don't know if they will, they they still Lamar Jackson has not proven to be able to make it even to an AFC championship just yet. I say yet. I'm not saying you won't. I'm saying yet. Um, they, I'm, this is the this is kind of the team to beat in the NFC. Sadly, yeah, the the 49ers are the team that beat in the NFC. Uh, I'm I'm pretty good with those that top three: Cowboys, Ravens, Chiefs. Maybe not the Chiefs. Maybe the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs seem kind of questionable right now. Um, but yeah, that's a solid top three. CJ, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I would give the Niners an honorable mention. I mean, just because if you watch the game, it took a, a bit for them to get warmed up against arguably the league's – actually, statistically, the league's worst defense. I mean, you know, you did end up hanging 27 on them, so they, they got to figure it out better late than ever. If, there was, if it was a top five, I'd put them number four. 
Yeah, and that's the thing with the 49ers that that's just your classic get right game against a really bad commanders team. And that's a game that they should win and they took care of business, right? Um bottom three. The Dolphins. Not there's really not much you can say. It's this is a we've known that this is a team that has struggled against teams above 500 just in general and their one game that they won that was against a team that was over 500 was just against the Cowboys and they barely squeaked out of that one and now you're going up against the top team in the league at this point and you're this is essentially for the first round bye too this is for the first round bye and you get blown out of the building and now there is a point about the Dolphins that I will make once you guys give your reactions to everything, but I'll save it for that. Uh, sadly, the Eagles. Sorry, Mike. But yeah, not you know, sad at all. There's you know, did you guys gave up a what was it, Adam? They said twenty-one to six lead. Yeah, gave up a twenty-one to six lead, yep. and now your fate will be decided by how the Cowboys play next week. And the Vikings. You lose to your NFC North rival on primetime television. It wasn't even close. And you made it that much more difficult for you to clinch a playoff spot. I uh, would replace. I'm sorry. No, you can go. Um, I would replace the Vikings with the Bengals. Actually, no, not the Bengals. I would replace them with the Buccaneers. Because the Buccaneers, uh, against a team that they are better than, had a chance to clinch the division and they didn't. Um, that's pretty big for me. And the Vikings, I give them, I give them the pass because they have been hammered with the injury bug this season. They lost Kirk Cousins, their their quarterback, to an Achilles tear. They were without Justin Jefferson for virtually half the season. Um, Jordan Addison's been in and out of their starting lineup. They lost Hawkinson for the year. I mean, they they had a really, really good offensive attack going. If you have that starting lineup, and I haven't even mentioned KJ Osborne yet, that's pretty good. And it's not really their fault that they're that they fell vic- victim to the injury bug. So I kind of give them a pass for that. But the Buccaneers, with, for all that they have done this year, they've surpassed everyone's expectations. Um, Baker Mayfield lo- has looked the best he has ever looked in his whole career, and uh, the rest of that the rest of that team looks as good as it did before Tom Brady's last year in new uh last year uh last year where he was throwing 40 touchdown passes. Um so yeah, I I say the Buccaneers are the most disappointing. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. The Buccaneers kind of had had it in their hands and they, and they just gave it away. So I would actually just replace the Dolphins with the Eagles defense um because they're they're the ones that are the bottom of of the, of the of the season right now for the Eagles. Their their defense just let up 35 points to the 3 and 12 Cardinals. So I would just put the Eagles defense at, at the bottom of everything. <laughs> Specifically the defense. Specifically. Or never mind the the team in general, the the defense. No, just the defense. Yeah. Or I just like. single out two pieces of personnel from that defense, Matt Patricia and James Bradbury. <laughs> yeah. That'll do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean Darius Slay ain't doing nothing wrong. He he didn't play. That's true. Yeah, so he didn't. Do, yeah. Can't, not, can't do anything can't wrong, do if wrong if you don't play. Exactly. <laughs> All right, CJ, um, your thoughts. Yeah. 
I'll make this quick. I just want to ask, do you hear that? That's the sound of the, any claim of credibility and non-fraudulence slipping away from Miami. I do not take them seriously. And and before they cry about the injury bug, it's like, but we didn't have Jalen Waddle. My response is, dang, I didn't realize Jalen Waddle played defense. <laughs> I mean, you, you still got 56 hung on you. Cry about it. And it makes- as for the other two, yeah, although I would also put Tampa on there because I thought they were going to beat the Saints. I'm just disappointed. More than it makes the Cowboys lost to them even worse because you should that is a team like I know that the Cowboys are going on the road. They're significantly worse on the road, but the 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 Dolphins are so bad against teams above 500. And you were this is supposedly the best built Cowboys team in recent memory. At, at, at least that's what we've been saying on this show. And you lose in the final seconds to this Dolphins team that can't win, that can't beat competitive teams. That looks bad. I know we're talking about last week, but uh, this week makes last week look worse. Yeah, and one one more thing I do want to point out for the Dolphins. So I don't know if you guys remember this. Earlier this year, when the Dolphins got hot, I said that this is a team that they don't want to be playing on the road come January because warm weather – Typically, warm weather teams in cold weather areas do not play very good. And I pointed out the Buccaneers team that won the Super Bowl back in 02 going into the NFC Championship game against the Eagles. Sorry, Mike, but they had never won a game that was below freezing or below 40, whatever the stat was. And that was was the first. It was cold. Regardless, it was cold. It was cold. So I gave that as an example. And now here we are, the Dolphins going into Baltimore in in cold weather, and they get smoked. And now they set themselves up with the AFC's title game next week against the Bills. Granted, this is at home, but they lose this game. Oh, boy. Now they're going to be on the road for the rest of the way, potentially against other cold weather teams. And that was the big thing for this last half of the season was that they didn't really have to travel to many cold weather places. They had a lot of home games. They're only cold weather games that they really had to deal with prior to Baltimore was New York and Washington. And they granted they were able to handle those games, but those are some really bad teams. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to move on to our final segment, which is the, the Fumble Ruski fan box New Year's resolutions for your favorite NFL team. We got some interesting answers and we can't wait to share them. That's next. This is the Fumble Ruski podcast. Welcome back to the Fumble Ruski podcast by Power 88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. Adam Wright, CJ Medeiros, Chris Kostich, special guest Mike Whartonby. 
Welcome to the Fumble Rooski fan box portion of our show, where we post a question filter on our Instagram every Monday, and you can respond with hot takes, questions, and more. And we will discuss it and give you a shout out on our podcast. Respond to next week's fan box question to be featured on our show. And for our question of the week, we have your favorite team's New Year's resolutions. So I haven't mentioned this yet, but happy New Year, guys. Uh, let's hope 2024 is a good year. Um, so our first response was Owen Van Slack, who is a very, very common responder to our, to our fan box questions. He said, beat a good team and not have an outside linebacker tear something in their lower body. He is a, he is a Dolphins fan. I was about to say, is he, is he talking about the Dolphins? (laughs) Yes. Uh, yeah, their pass rush has had some blows to their, uh, given to their, uh, their personnel and, uh, it's been there this past a couple weeks ago against the Cowboys was their first win against a, a team above 500 in over a calendar year. That's not good for the amount of talent this team has for, I mean, for how good Tua has looked against bad teams, you would think that they would at least be able to hold their own against non against some competitive teams. They have not. All right. Colin Ray said, Resign Captain Kirk, and he's a Vikings fan. Uh, I know Vikings fans love them some Kirk Cousins. He seems like a great guy. I love um, me some Kirk Cousins. But great is he a great guy or is he a great quarterback? Because I don't think he's top 10. I still do not believe he is top 10. My brother in Christ, the only touchdowns they had was from Kirk Cousins until he got hurt. How many playoff appearances does he have for that? You have Justin Jeff. You so you have Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison. You had Adam Thielen last year. You had T.J. Hawkinson, and you're among the league leaders in interceptions in three out of the last four years. He is yeah, not a top ten quarterback. Game. They don't have a run game. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, You've had Dalvin Cook your entire career. I understand he's had some injury issues, but he's been he's generally been able to stay on the on the field more than people give him credit for. And you have Alexander I know Alexander Madison has not been as good as bomb. as good this year bomb. as what he was last year. But still, you've you had Delvin Cook and Alexander Madison, a great one two punch in the past couple of years. But it's I'm just saying. All right. Your cousins also keeps his teams in games though, too. Yeah. Uh, so this last name is going to be hard to uh, pronounce. Richie Magil Magilnicki. Magilnicki. I apologize for the uh, for the pronunciation. Let me know in the DMs in the comment section wherever you see this, um, and tell me I'm an idiot for my pronunciation. Um, he said, "Get a new O line, running back, and quarterback." He is talking about the Giants. Um. Mm. I'll say so the running back part is a little is a little shocking because I like I still like Saquon Barkley. Um their offensive line I my problem is if you get a new offensive line how do you know if that one's going to be good? Because Smart. Evan Neal was supposed to be awesome. He sucks. He's out here he's out here responding to his criticizers saying that you're you're flipping burgers. Well, you know what Evan Neal, you would burn my burger. I like mine medium rare, some pink in the middle, and you would burn it. So that that's that's what I have to say to that. 
Um, quarterback, that's a little dicey because they just gave Daniel Jones. I apologize for my dog. Um, they just gave Daniel Jones a, a big contract. And after one year, I, I'm not saying what you should do because what you should do is very different than what they will do. Because if you get rid of Daniel Jones, you're facing some league blowback. After one year, after one year, I I, know, I understand he played poorly, but a lot of teams are going to look at the Giants and say, I'm not signing with you because you have no loyalty to the contracts that you give me. He got hurt too. You can't you can't throw that at him too. Daniel Jones getting hurt is, you know, he's an Eagles fan. Daniel, Danny Dimes is not a franchise quarterback. He's not. You can speak. You're a co-host on this show. <laughs> I, I do want to point out we're seeing a similar situation with Russ right now, right? They're they're benching him because he doesn't want or they're benching him because they want him to restructure his contract. And Adam said this earlier this year when we were having a very similar conversation about Daniel Jones and how there's going to be league pushback. Now there's reports that players might not be so keen to how the Broncos are handling the Russell situation, the Russell Wilson situation right now. And we're kind of seeing what would happen if the giants would do the same thing with Daniel Jones. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Daniel Jones. I apologize again for the dog. There's a repairman here and my, my parents do not want him uh, around him. He, he's a nice dog. Just, he's very crazy. Um, and he likes to steal things. Um, all right. Uh, Ian Mulhern said Dave Tepper to sell Carolina after his incident. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a, what a class act. What is with NFL owners being absolute characters? Like, I, I don't understand. All you have to do is just make good decisions about your team and just stay in the background. Like, let your You're team not even that. Just stay that. in the background in general. You know, I mean, leave everything up to the GM. Technically, yeah. he threw his drink from the background, so kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah, which is worse. Um, also, Adam, before, Adam, before you continue, I got some breaking news here. Yeah, it was it was it the Dalvin Cook news? Yes, Dalvin Cook just got released by the Jets. Yeah. Wow. He has really fallen off a cliff, which is really upsetting because his career in with uh in Minnesota with the Vikings was nothing short of spectacular. So I really hope that he finds a new home and he he finds at least some form of his old of his old form because uh what an incredible quarter uh running back. Also I had him in fantasy every year. So <laughs> but still he was uh, he was awesome. That that guy was a stud. Um you talk about running backs who deserve a ring. Dalvin Cook deserves it. Um all right. Um our next one was Nate Sloat, who said, start fresh and send Russ off, which I believe is going to end up happening. It's that's, Diane Rossini. They are going to move on with, from him in March. That's an $87 million like pill you got to swallow. Yeah. That's a lot. That it, just says, like, think about how much that says about what they think of Russell Wilson, that they're willing to eat up that much money to get his ass out the door. Yeah. You've essentially screwed yourself if you're Denver, if you're to swallow that much dead money. I mean, this might be like a Saints level cap catastrophe, you know, I mean, because the Saints always start in the red every year. 
but it's it, it's I I don't know. This is going to be a really tough thing for their GM patent to maneuver around. And frankly, I'm not a I'm not entirely sure that the future is especially bright for them now, especially since a lot of the players have been rubbed the wrong way by their treatment of Russ. And I don't know if you saw on ESPN, Ryan Clark lit into uh, Sean Payton. Apparently players around the league don't like Sean Payton. That's going to put a hamper on you with morally in free agency, not even financially. Well, yeah, it's also the same guy that paid players to, to take out other guys. Intentionally. I about that. Yeah. that was, that was messed up. Um, I will say like there, I, it's just that Sean Payton had very little to do with what they did with Russ. That's all ownership in the front office. So yeah. I just like, yes, everything you may say about Sean Payton is, is correct, but I wouldn't blame Sean Payton for what's going on with Russell Wilson. Like well, it, it, he's, he was the coach who saddled up with him. What's that? Well, how come the players that left Denver hate him? Because I'm when not Ryan s- Clark was going after him, you had Randy Gregory and Kareem Jackson come out and say, oh yeah, he was terrible. I know. I'm not saying I'm I'm not saying that he's not. I'm just saying uh, that in regards to this situation here, he doesn't really have as much to do with it as you think. He's the head coach. He's this isn't a Bill Belichick situation where he's he's also the general manager. He's just the head coach who makes the coaching decisions. Um and he has he has defended Russell Wilson in the past, in the past in the past couple months. Um, and he's they've been working together. They've been they have won some games. I'm not saying that Sean Payton is not a hateable guy. I'm just saying I wouldn't blame him as much as people are right now. Um, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's mostly yeah. Russ, Russ, because I think Marshawn Lynch said something like about his relationship with Russell Wilson, and it was like uh, he was my quarterback, or he he handed me the ball. That's about that's as far as he mm-hmm. went to to talking to him. Yep. And that was kind of when they had that defense and running the ball scheme. That was like yeah. they felt so little about about their passing game that they allowed they they let. Golden Tate out the door after mm-hmm. 2013, mm-hmm. and just so that they could commit more to their running game with their op with their option offense. Russ is an mm-hmm. awesome scrambler, but they were thinking more of of Marshawn Lynch in that context, yeah. and they were allowed to let they let they allowed him to say, you know what, Doug Baldwin's your top re- receiver, deal with it. And you went back to a Super Bowl with that. You didn't need mm-hmm. Russ's arm as much as they thought. Except when you got to run the ball over the uh, goal line one yard and then let Russell pass it. Then let Russ pass it, and then it ends up being yeah, a game in an interception. Gosh. Oh, man. Uh, I have plenty of opinions on that, but um, at least the ball was fully inflated. All right. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I believe that is all of our scheduled content, but do we have any other thoughts before we end the show tonight? Nope. I got right. nothing. Uh, Mike, did yeah. you want to plug your podcast one more time? Yeah, if you want to listen to us, we put out two podcasts a week. Uh, you can follow us on Spotify, uh, Amazon, uh, Apple, Google Podcasts. Uh, we put a podcast out every Thursday, most likely, usually on lead on Fridays, usually. Uh, and we also have a in-game reaction podcast that comes out on Tuesdays. Um, yeah. And then we're just looking for people who want to come on and give us some content. And if you want to come on with the show, just send me some DMs and uh, we'll try to work you on. That sounds awesome. All right. Well, that'll do it for us tonight. Thank you for listening to us. We have new episodes out on Tuesdays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
and Fridays at 5 Eastern time. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have all our episodes available on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Also, be sure to follow our Instagram at FumbleRooski underscore podcast and our TikTok at FumbleRooskiPod to keep up with our podcast and the latest coverage on the NFL. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Over and out.